Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my pen. Is my waiting girlfriend, Carol. How you doing Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week here. It's October 18th, 1997. Your face was very expectant. It was like, oh, I know. I talk about your face too much. Way too much. Theater of the mind, Carol. (sighs) Paper bags, paper bags. They're coming. Paper bags, rider. I don't want you to wear a paper bag on your head. Well, then stop talking about my face. Your face is funny to talk about. Fuck you. <laughs> Why is that? Your dick is funny to talk about. What do you what? think that? How are those equivalent? <laughs> well, I don't think you care as much about your face. <laughs> okay, why is my dick so funny to talk about? Because it does weird things. Watch. Why'd your dick move that way? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not actually going to talk about your dick, okay? Oh, okay. Other than that, it's wonderful. Great. <laughs> so everybody needed to know that. Um. Anyway, speaking of wonderful dicks, <laughs> before we talk about the movie today... I thought we could talk about some massive love. Oh. Because there is some love in this. Uh, in this is movie. there, though? Is there? <clears throat> How about this one, Carol? I only have a few today. Exotic Hunk, 26, handsome, biracial, tall, tan, blue eyes, seeks pretty dark skinned single black female, 20 to 40, shapely body, large hips. <laughs> okay. What do you think of this exotic hunk? I think anybody who's that hunky doesn't need to put an ad in a paper. And uh, I think he's a little too picky. He wants large hips. Yeah, like what, you want childbearing hips? What are your plans for this person? <laughs> he's looking for a breeding mare. Exactly. Wow. Well, that's that's no good. Speaking of massive love, though, I actually heard somebody say "Assalamu alaikum" today on the radio. You did? Yeah. Were they looking to start a new nation? <laughs> I think so. Okay, how about this one? Female seeks same. Female, female. Okay. For friendship only. Then why are you putting this ad in the paper? To hang with, cooking. Walking, movies. I'm 38. You're 20 to mid-30s. St. Croix Shores. Why does she care that much? Yeah. Wow, the age. Why does she need to be older than her friend who she's going to do walking and right. you know stuff with? To hang with. <laughs> Cooking, walking, movies. What's to hang? I think she's a liar. I think. A filthy, filthy liar. I think she is just not ready to admit that she wants a lesbian experience. And apparently she wants to be called mommy. Oh, God. Because why else would she insist on being older? Oh, I don't know. That is interesting. I mean, and it's not like 
It's not that big of an age difference that she's looking for, which is weird. No, she's she's thirty eight. She said twenty. Well, that would be yeah. mid thirties. But I mean, she's also open to like somebody who's like thirty five. Sure. So that wouldn't be weird. She wants to have control in the relationship. Oh, maybe. She wants to wear the device. Oh, God. Relationship. I'm not going to say what device it is, but we all know. Get that without. What? <laughs> How about this one? A gifted single white male seeking discreet encounters with an attractive female or couple. Race no barrier. All calls answered. Gifted. He's gifted. I mean, I I can assume that I I know what he means by that, but what pray tell do you think he means? <laughs> well, by he being could, gifted. He could have a large penis. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Or he could just be, you know, good in bed. Yeah. But I mean, like he could also be a genius. Who knows? Like there are so many things that being gifted could mean. Computer science major. <laughs> I think he's being a little too vague. It says gifted dot dot dot. See, single white male. I think he's trying to save on words because he's poor and or cheap. G i f t e d b i g d i c k. Yeah, it is one more word. <laughs> you mean letter? Letter. Oh my goodness. Ah, uh, how about this one though? Speaking of gifted, heels and hose. What? That's the the title of this is Heels and Hose. Okay. Lansing area, very feminine crossdresser, seeking a special male friend, fifty plus, who would enjoy a guy like me. Long term relationship sought. It's hard to imagine a fifty plus year old wanting to be with a super feminine crossdresser. He's a crossdresser. Uh-huh. He's a super feminine crossdresser. And oh, you're saying you think it would be... Yeah, it's obviously it's hard to find. That's why he's looking in the newspaper. Right, because I mean, I'd, I'd imagine it's hard to find anyway, but it seems like older people are probably even less likely to be into that weird kinky stuff. Oh, wow. Don't okay. you think? I don't, I don't know if I was actually going to call him weird. But <laughs> <laughs> it's too Wong... Has too Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, taught you nothing? I guess not. Shame on me. I, I need a spanking. What kind of mood are you in today? You know exactly what kind of mood I'm in today. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about the movie. Let's get this over with, I, okay. I guess, as fast as we can. <laughs> uh, we saw The Devil's Advocate. Yeah, with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, we watched it with Keanu Reeves. He was very nice. <laughs> and uh, Robert De Niro. Yes. Yeah, we watched it with Robert De Niro. <laughs> He's not in the film. But his friend is in the film, so. <laughs> He's like, I turned to him and I said, Robert, Robert, do you like the movie? He goes, Oh my God, Pacino! Yes, Pacino. Al Pacino. There we go. Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino. I and I said, "Hey, can you pass the uh, the popcorn?" Robert De Niro said, "You talking to me?" <laughs> yes, Robert, you have the popcorn. Oh, sorry. Yes, Al Pacino was in this movie, and Charlie's Theron. I'm just getting warmed up, Al Pacino. 
Yeah. Yeah. I sound just like him, right? Oh, it's a very good, yeah, very much. It's a good impersonation, right? You should definitely go into impersonations. That should be your new like life goal. <laughs> I mean, people. people I'm Al Pacino. People, Come and get me. I want a cappuccino. <laughs> go ahead. Beyond those that listen to our tapes, the privileged, you know, few. Um, <laughs> privileged thousands. They should be exposed to the wonder that is your impersonation. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> My best impersonation is uh, here. <clears throat> I'm Franklin Pierce, 14th President of the United States. He sounded just like that. Right. <laughs> You're so silly. It's my best impersonation. <laughs> no, I'm very good at, at the impersonations. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. Every right nineteen. What, what the fuck is it called? Late fee nineteen ninety four at aol.com. Write in if you think that I'm good in impersonations. Write in with your opinion on my impersonations. You know that. Well, people sided with you on the comedy aspect of your intro. Are you trying to say that you're lying? They weren't exactly like I love your impersonations. I'm just saying, like I. That's why I'm asking. Necessarily them. throw that That's out. Why there. I'm asking them? Okay, I'll do a couple throughout the show. You've all heard. My, <laughs> Yay! You've all heard my Al Pacino. <laughs> You're out of order. This whole courtroom's out of order. <laughs> and then I'll do I'll do some other ones. You know. Okay. My Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I'm the star with an attitude. Anyway, go ahead. We watched The Devil's Advocates. So, going into this movie, yeah. I I had a strong feeling about what it was going to be based on the trailer. Yeah, the trailer was... The trailer gave away too much. Way too much. The trailer was like a throwback to uh, some of the 80s trailers. Yeah, but like they can't. Where they go plot by plot, like the Ghostbusters is about a group of guys that start a business, go busting ghosts, and then they gotta, you know, whatever. Yeah, they they ruined it though because they showed stuff from the end. Like if they had stopped it, like I don't know, twenty seconds sooner, it would have been fine. Yeah, it would have left a little bit of mystery. Like you start to get the impression that there's some evilness going on, but you don't know exactly what it is. But nope, nope, nope. They ruined it. They ruined it. Well, they didn't ruin it. It was still a great movie, but... <clears throat> you liked this movie. Yeah, didn't you? Carol, I didn't like this movie. Really? I loved this movie. There you go. <laughs> I was like, why is he lying? <laughs> no, I, this... So, we're going to spoil things, obviously. Oh, yeah. And just do yourself a favor and go watch this amazing movie. And then you can listen to us talk about it. Go to your local star theater... And watch uh, The Devil's Advocate, and then come back and listen to this tape. Yes. Put it in your tape deck Mm -hmm. on the way home from the theater, and roll your windows down, even though it's very cold outside, and say, woo! Wow. (laughs) All righty, then. What are you, Jim Carrey? Apparently. Um, so, Jim Carrey's not in this movie. He no. was in Liar, Liar. 
This is kind of like the serious version of life. <laughs> right. So uh, I'm going to go with my my big picture thoughts. Okay. And then we can get into the minutia of the movie if, you, if you'd like. Go for it. But this movie's very operatic. I like that. The score, the architecture... All the the ornate sculpture and everything. We go into Al Pacino's house. His character's name is John Milton. Maybe a little on the nose. Why is that on the nose? John Milton uh, wrote Paradise Lost. Okay. Uh, Keanu about um, uh, the fall of Satan, oh, essentially. Okay. And uh, Keanu Reeves' character, Kevin Lomax, actually says a line. From Paradise Lost at the end of the film, towards the end of the film, hmm. where it says better, better to, uh, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. That's a line from, from Satan from Paradise Lost. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, that there's obviously that connection. Um, but this, I think this, like I said, with the score, the architecture, we go into John Milton's apartments. Yeah, I was going to say house is not the right word. It's a penthouse apartment. Right. But it's all, it's very, all of it's big. Like, it's all the tall ceilings, very large doors. Well, yeah, he's actually in a tower. Yeah, and it's it's all, the, the architecture is very Baroque. It's very operatic. It's all very bigger than life. And the music's very large and bombastic in a way that's not distracting mm-hmm. to the movie. There's, it's almost Shakespearean in the way this movie plays out. There's a lot of, because it's, you know, ultimately it boils down to a good versus evil battle. Right. And, you know, there's those big themes. It's big and Shakespearean and it's scope and, and everything. I loved when uh, he's first seeing the uh, the apartment and... He asks about the bedroom, and they're like, what bedroom? He doesn't sleep. Yeah, Milton. And he's like, where does he fuck? Everywhere. That's what he says, yeah. That's what Milton comes out and says everywhere. But yeah, I mean, it's all just like basically one giant room. It's really weird. Yeah, and well, you know, when we learn what we learn later, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I bet he doesn't have to eat either. No, doesn't need to eat or sleep. I bet he does, though. Do we see him eat? I don't know, but I mean, like, he's not Same like a drink. vampire. He's, he's, he's you know, Satan. He can uh, do what he wants, and I bet you he wants to eat. Wouldn't you? I mean, that's not something you want to give up. That should be the tagline for the Satan <laughs> Church. He's Satan. He can do what he wants. And I bet he wants to eat. <laughs> Subway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Um, but so uh, adding to this, adding to the operatic nature of this is casting Al Pacino as the devil. Okay. Because his acting is also very Shakespearean, very operatic, large performance, even though he says, and I, to me, this doesn't, it's a disconnect, but Hmm. he says like, uh, you know, one thing about me, Kevin. They never see me coming. They never see me coming, and it's uh-huh. like, yeah, but you're you, you. When you look up overacting in the dictionary, there's a picture of Al Pacino. 
I don't think so. No, there's a picture of Jim Carrey. But yes. if you look closely, he's holding a photograph of Al <laughs> No, I mean, his presence is, you know, large, but I don't think that he's overacting. I think he's supposed no. to have a large presence. It's not bad or distracting. Sometimes he goes overboard. Not in this movie, but in some of his performances, sometimes he goes a little overboard. Okay. But yeah, he's he's a big personality and he's a big actor. I agree with him though. Like he's like, would you look at me and think master of the universe? No, you wouldn't. I mean, who cares that he's got a big presence or personality or whatever? You're gonna say Dick. You're no, no. <laughs> what do you know about Al Pacino's Dick? <laughs> I don't know anything about Al Pacino's Dick, but I bet you uh, Milton, uh, whatever the fuck his name was. Milton, John, John Milton. Milton, yeah. Like I, I bet you his is pretty big. Well, he's Satan, so he can make it any size. Exactly. Wants, right? <laughs> um, although he said the, you know, the, it was a seven, I believe. He said, on a scale of one to ten. With ten being the most depraved acts, that doesn't mean that his dick wasn't large. No, I'm not, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, what are you saying? But so you think he's like a Yoda? You don't see him coming? You know how, like... You know, in, in Star Wars, he looks so confused. <laughs> in Star Wars. In Star Wars, Luke Skywalker goes to, to find a great Jedi Knight. And he has this idea of what a great Jedi Knight's going to look like in his head, you know. Mm. Big, strong, tough guy, you know. And it's this little fucking Muppet. Right. And yeah. that's that's the whole point. That's why Yoda does his whole, like, uh, uh, Yoda, you seek Yoda. <laughs> Did you do it by will? Uh-huh. Say there's another impersonation. Uh, <laughs> these are all for you to, to judge. Are you auditioning for a voice actor gig no, that I don't not, know about? I'm not auditioning for a voice actor. Okay. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so you think he's like a Yoda where he's under the radar. I mean, not... Even dressed in his suit? Not, okay, not if you know anything about him, but if you see him on the street, you're not going to look at him and be like, oh, hey, he's a powerful dude necessarily. Okay, all right. Just because he's wearing a suit, it's New York, everybody's wearing a suit. Literally, like, everybody in this movie is wearing suits. (laughs) Even the bums that kill the fucking uh, Mr. Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What was his name? Jeffrey James. No, not the character. Oh. Uh, not the actor. Jeffrey Jones, sorry. Um, Barzoon, Eddie yeah, Barzoon. That's right, you yeah. got it. Hey, you remembered. Hey, I get a sticker and Somebody a cookie. Somebody killed Ben. Yeah, I'll give you a cookie. <laughs> um, so, anyway. So, yeah, I like the big, like, operatic nature of the movie. It builds to that. I mean, it starts out small. Mm-hmm. But it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until we get to the end. Well, yeah, it starts out in Gainesville, Florida. As small as you can get. <laughs> Not really. Shit kicking Gainesville, Florida. Home of the University of Florida Gators. Alrighty. And birthplace of Gator Aid. Is it? Yes. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, so what, what did you think? I, I really enjoyed the movie. There what are, did you like about it? Um, the characters, the, like, big questions that it's, you know, left, which I'm looking forward to talking about. Oh, yeah. Of course. So, 
Um, Acting was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Even Keanu Reeves was good. Yeah, yeah, he Normally surprised me. Keanu Reeves was pretty good in this. He really was. Although he's it's a far it's a far cry from him in Speed being like, whoa, right? I don't know you, dude. Or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where he's like, whoa. <laughs> be excellent to each other exactly there you go there's another impersonation no he did he did a really good job what do you think bill clinton thought of this movie why do i care what bill clinton thought about this movie do you think that he was like i'll feel your pain i'll feel your pain for the loss of your wife keanu reeves i mean i mean kevin lomax sorry i'm really fucking lost right now it's another impersonation carol oh okay i think you're getting too tired for my bullshit yeah well we were excited and wanted to record right when we got home but now it's late all right so uh questions so in the very beginning in the very beginning of the movie yeah he's doing the court case stop making fun of me you meanie he's I haven't been called a meanie <laughs> since, like, fifth grade. Well, congratulations. Now you have been. <sighs> He's doing a case yeah. with a teacher. What did they say? Eighth grade teacher? Uh, I think so. Seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. That, that girl looked very young. Yeah. He's accused of, you know, molesting his student. Yes, he is. And Keanu Reeves is defending him. And while this little girl is on the stand talking about what he did to her... Keanu Reeves has never lost a case. Okay, we'll get there. Uh, he looks over and yeah. sees this guy masturbating right there in the courtroom. He's masturbating? Yeah, he had his hand in his pants. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. I saw his finger. She's describing him putting his hands inside her blouse, under her blouse, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And his finger is, like, working the bottom of the fucking... Um, the desk. The desk. That's all I saw. I didn't see that his other hand... The other hand's in his pants. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I was thinking to myself, yeah, that looks bad when you see... It. Imagine you didn't see the hand in his pants. Uh-huh. That looks bad, but it's not... I mean, I'd have questions, but I wouldn't be like, oh, immediately, he's guilty. He was also smiling just a little. That's true. Listening to her cry and talk about what he did to her. That's true. Okay. All right. It was pretty fucking obvious. I think it would have been obvious if you hadn't seen his hands at all, if you just looked at his fucking face. Yeah, he looks guilty. Yes. But yeah, so he sees that. And so he knows. And he's absolutely disgusted. Mm -hmm. And yet, he still fucking defends him and wins. Yeah. Like, what would you do in that situation? If you had been him, what would you do? That's your question. What would I do? Well, my, I, and like at the end of the movie, they're talking about when he actually does do the right thing. You know, they're talking about him being disbarred. Like, how is that possible? Doesn't it seem like doing the right thing should be right and not something to be punished? Here's the thing. The law is set up in a specific way. It's an adversarial process. There are two sides against each other, right? And every defendant, regardless of if they're guilty or not, because you can never, I mean, unless you witnessed it or whatever, you know, like the law in the general sense cannot know 
at the onset of a trial if someone's guilty or not. They presume everyone's innocent. So every defendant is entitled to a robust defense, a full-throated, you know, like, I believe you're innocent defense. Most of the time, defense lawyers don't ask their clients if they're guilty or not. Mm -hmm. That's not... That's not knowledge they need. Or want, probably. Right. They Their job is to give a full-throated defense. And the prosecution's job is to, you know, in the adversarial process, to counter them. And in those two sides cla- clashing, in the cauldron of the everything's burned away, the truth should remain. And the jury should be able to figure that out. That's the premise of the American justice system. Does it always work? I mean, ask OJ Simpson. (laughs) No, it doesn't always work, but that's the premise of it. And it works more than it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It can be, it could be tweaked and improved upon a little bit, but it works more than it doesn't. And it's, I haven't, I haven't seen in other countries a, a better system really than the system that we have. I mean, there people have talked about like professional jurors and things like that, like people that actually know the law and things like that instead of just drafting citizens to be jurors. But, you know, I don't well, know. That that would make them no longer your peers. Well, I mean, peers is a nebulous term. Yeah. Because the people that live around you, like there are your peers. I mean, what does peers really mean? You know, if a black man's on trial, should the jury be comprised completely of black men? No. So I mean, like, yeah, peers is a nebulous term. Anyway, um, so what would I do in that situation? I, it's very difficult to put myself in that situation because I'm not a lawyer, right? And he's bound to give a full-throated defense. And saying that you are recusing yourself from the case, I don't know what's going to happen to that that actual defendant, but I feel like his case is going to get thrown out. That I mean, it's definitely, it definitely has to be at least a mistrial. Right. And they have to have a whole new trial because that jury is now prejudiced. Mm-hmm. When their lawyer stands up, he didn't say, I know he fucking did it. But in the middle of a trial, when your lawyer is like, hey, I can't defend this dude anymore. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Like this, this lady just gave this girl just gave very damning. I mean, look at it from their point of view. She just gave very damning testimony. And he goes to the bathroom and comes back and is like, yeah, I can't defend this dude anymore. That's, that's no good. Yeah. So, yes, that's inappropriate. He maybe should have requested a recess or requested a continuance or requested to approach the bench or talk to the judge in his chambers to do it outside of the courtroom area. Mm -hmm. Because then they could have come up with something. They could have told the jury, you know, he, you know, he has a personal issue or something like that. He cannot continue and maybe the trial could have continued. Hmm, that's a good point. That's a good idea. But, and that's probably what I would have tried to do. Uh, but that wouldn't have been sensational. Well, and it, that's the point. It wouldn't have given him, like you said, to another win because Co- correct. he's never lost, and he's very 
very uh very egotistical, oh, yeah. vain. <laughs> yeah, proud I mean, of himself. <laughs> if this was the movie 7, yeah. He'd be vanity. I mean, it's that's 100 I mean it's said in the in the movie. 100% vanity is his crutch. Mhm. Disgustingly. Oh yeah. I don't know. I I wouldn't have been able to do it. No way. Yeah. Well, and the implication is in the movie, it's not ever said outright. But Charlize Theron's character, uh, who, by the way, is also, we haven't mentioned her character yet, but she's fantastic in this. Oh, yeah. She does really great acting. We saw her in that, I think, Two Days in the Valley movie, Mm -hmm. and then she was in something else that I can't remember that we saw. Yeah, especially when she starts to lose her mind, like, you can just see it. it. It's a master class in acting. It's fantastic. Uh, But, um, what was I talking about? (laughs) You just mentioned Charlize there, and I don't know. You're going to talk about her character. No, I was saying something about uh, Keanu Reeves, I thought, but I don't remember now. Um, You couldn't, you you weren't following the conversation. (laughs) I was, but, like, you didn't say enough for me to know what you were talking about. You uh, said, you know, about Thor- Charlie Theron's character. Oh, we didn't mention her. We blah, ta- blah, blah. We were talking about his vanity. Mm-hmm. And then we said... I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, so vanity's his, his big crutch. That's his Achilles heel in this whole movie. And the next time that he really fucks up... Mm-hmm. I mean, he does make a lot of mistakes, but I mean, in his job and with his vanity thing is, you know, when he knows that his other client is guilty of murder and he still defends him. Yeah. Craig T. Nelson playing the role of Donald Trump, kind of. No, they mentioned Donald Trump in the movie. They said yeah. he was supposed to be at that party and he couldn't make it or whatever. It's like so a who's who of Republicans? Yeah. So which, I don't. I which, don't. By the way, is a little insulting to Republicans, I think. Right. Because they're at the devil's party. Right. I guess it was a Democrat who wrote this one. Right. Um. Sorry to get political, everyone. Now I don't remember what I was trying to say. I do because I listened to you. The next time he fucked up. Was when he knows his client's guilty. That's what you said of murder. Trump was what I was trying to talk about. Oh, okay. Um, you said you thought that he was supposed to be like Trump, but like he's I'm a, saying, he's not. So. He's a Trump. I know he's not literally Trump, Carol. Or he's, a stand-in for him. I think he's a Trump-like character. Okay. Because they go to, he's a big real estate developer in New York with a wife and stepchildren. And uh, he, like, they go to his office later, and there's a bunch of fucking gold filigree shit all over the wall. Okay. I'm just saying. Not saying that he's de- he's 100% Donald Trump. I'm just saying I think he's, he they they drew a little bit on him, I think, okay. for this character. So I, I'm just thinking, I, I don't think that, uh, what the hell, Lomax's character is a good person. Who's Lomax? Lomax is his last name. The actor Kevin Lomax. Lomax? You said Lomax's character. Yeah. Kevin Lomax, the character. Okay, I got it. Jesus, why are you giving me a hard time? Because you you meant Keanu Reeves' character, Kevin Lomax. The character of Kevin Lomax I don't think is a good person. I don't either. 
But he's supposed to be, like, our hero. He's the son of the devil. Well, but I mean, like, you start out feeling, like, sympathetic for him, I think. Well, he's our protagonist, yeah. But I don't, I just, I, and when you look at everything he does, none of it's good. No, he's a terrible person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so we're on the same page. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Ah, I what? got I got it. You weren't listening. Yeah, you sigh. I wasn't listening to your thoughts, correct? Right, I'll give you a spanking later. No, I said it. What? Um, we were talking about his his the, like you know you didn't think you didn't think you'd be able to do it uh, defend this dude right mm-hmm. this uh, child molester correct? Um, and I said it's implied throughout the movie. We don't. It, Charlie Theron mentions it indirectly, kind of alludes to it. But it's implied throughout the movie, and, and Pacino says something about it later, too, that all the other, he's won 65 cases in a row, that all his other clients have also been guilty. What? Yes. That's implied. Because she said, Charlie Saren, when she's, like, going nuts and everything, they're wheeling her into the loony Oh, bin. yeah. She's like, it's blood money. We knew it. All those clients. But you kept winning. But we knew they were guilty. and You kept winning. Hmm. So it's implied that he's just been getting the scum of the earth off with a little help. From, Which is awful. With a little help from his <clears throat> demonic his dad. Yeah. His demonic dad. And that this one was the, the you know, the, the last one until that he recruits him to come to New York and play in the big leagues. And the worst part is, like, later in the movie, you find out that this child molester that he got off then is found with a the body of a 10-year-old girl in his car later. Yeah, so he's also a murderer. Yeah, and he, but he probably wasn't yet. I mean, like, if Maybe he'd not. gotten him arrested or, you know, if he hadn't gotten him off, he probably wouldn't have killed that girl. Yeah. Well, he was doing a good enough job getting himself off, apparently. Ugh. Gross. Um, which I didn't even realize. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so that's the, the implication. He was a prosecutor. He became a defense attorney, got better money, and had all these clients that were guilty of sin. He, and never lost a case. Yeah. I mean, crazy, right? And then he gets this this Craig T. Nelson off for murder, and Craig T. Nelson killed his wife, his stepson, and the maid, and apparently did it all because he wants to have sex with his 16-year-old stepdaughter. Do you think he was already having sex with her? Do you think that maybe. he was already having an affair? Because that was supposed to be the motive, right? I think so, yeah. So maybe that was still the motive. Well, yeah, I think he just wanted the mom out of the way, too. That's so awful. Maybe the mom found out. Yeah. Confronted him, so he had to murder everyone in the apartment. <laughs> and now it's just him and his 16-year-old stepdaughter, so he can just do whatever the fuck he wants. All day. Ugh. So awful. Yeah. That's that's what, but that's what, see, my question is, there's another case. There's another character uh, played by Delroy Lindo, and uh, it's the black guy that slaughters a goat or whatever, right? They want to arrest him, and he gets gets him off by, one, by appealing to religion, saying it's his religious right to be able to slaughter this goat and everything. Guy lives in the sewer. Apparently has $15 million in the bank. Also, though, 
is some sort of voodoo practitioner. Mm-hmm. He's not a Satanist, doesn't seem like, but he asks the name of the prosecuting attorney and he takes out a cow tongue and starts like yeah. putting nails in it and everything, doing this little like voodoo curse on it. And lo and behold, when they're at the actual trial, the prosecutor can't talk. He's like coughing and he, he can't speak. Uh, and it's because of what he did. My question is, what is he into that Satan's like, let's get this guy off? Child molest- molest- molestators, um, pedophiles who want to have sex with their own stepdaughter, stuff like that, you know, and murderers. Um, that all makes sense, why why Satan would, would be on their side and want them to get away with it. What did this dude do? I mean, slaughtering goats is not like, you know, is is he a Satan worshiper? Like, what's fucking going well, on? Well, maybe. I mean, uh, goats are, you know, used as a representation for Satan, so. Yeah, but I I don't know. Maybe, like, I maybe guess. Maybe he was sacrificing the goat to Satan. Maybe he is a Satan worshiper. I don't know. Or, I mean, maybe the voodoo is somehow, you know, interlaced with that, or I don't oh, know. sorry to our uh, uh, New Orleans audience. <laughs> I'm just. She didn't mean that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but but that's my question: is we don't ever find anything more about that character. I we don't need a sequel to this movie, although it, no, although there is there is an opening for a sequel, but we don't need one. But I'd almost like a, a what would you call it, like a side quill? Like uh, I'd I'd like to see that character. I'd like to know more about that character and what his place in all this was. Because everybody else, it makes sense why Pacino's John Milton slash Satan would want to, you know, to uh, deal with them the way he does. But this dude, it's like, we're not exactly sure why he's well, on his side. didn't they say that it was kind of a test? Like, it was a case that he shouldn't have been able to win? Yes, but he could have picked anybody. Yeah. Why, like... Everyone that he wanted Kevin to defend and get off was someone who was doing bad. Right. So what was this guy doing? Maybe he's like a like an arms dealer or something. I don't know. Yeah. And he's got a ton of money from somewhere. That's true. So yeah, maybe he's just shady. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what he's doing, but But you know, that's that's just an interesting question, I think, that we have. Um Here's a question I have. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, we find out that Pacino's Satan. Uh, Keanu Reeves is the son of Satan. And that that the lady, who we haven't really talked about, Alessandra, I think her name is, she works at the law firm, uh, and that's the daughter of Satan. Alessandra is the name of the stepdaughter. Oh, okay. What's, the, what's her name? Do you remember? Oh. <sighs> No, I don't know. Anyway, but we find out that she's he and he's been sexually attracted to her throughout the entire movie, basically. Yeah. Uh, that she's the daughter of Satan, so they're she, step-siblings. She looks exactly like his wife. It's kind of weird. Yeah, she does look a lot like her. Um, so my question is, for, I have a couple questions about this. One, do, do they have powers like Al Pacino has? Like... Obviously not as strong. He can make cars hit people. He can fucking, like, put demons inside of homeless men and have them kill the 
the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, <laughs> like, he can do shit like that, right? And obviously, what, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves can't. But do they have some powers? I don't know, it seemed like Keanu Reeves had the power to be able to tell what, you know, things about people. Yeah, about the juries and things like that. So I'm thinking that, too. So I wonder, like, you know, because he, he, he does a jury selection. He's like, no, not this one, not that one. He's like, that one's been hurt. I can just, I just know. Yeah. She's been hurt. She wants revenge. She yeah. wants to find this person guilty. Yeah, and the guy's like, how can you possibly know that? Just trust me. Like, that's yeah. weird. So, yeah, it feels like they have at least some limited kind of powers. Yeah. Um, and then the other question that I had is, is this, is this whole movie a closed time loop? Hmm. A closed time loop. I mean, it is a time loop. Because at the what end, what do you mean by closed? Well, at the end, is it just going to keep repeating over and over and over and over and over again forever? I don't think so. I, because like he changed it already. Like when he went back, he changed it. But here's yeah, but that's not going to matter because okay. So the whole premise is that Satan's appealing to his vanity to try to get him on his side. He wants him to fuck his sister and. Produce the Antichrist. Produce the Antichrist. And at the end of the movie, it seems like he's going to do that. And the attractive woman gets naked for the for the film. Uh, and then he blows his own brains out, mm-hmm. killing himself. With a smile. Right. Making it so... <laughs> Very creepy. ...that they can't do that because free will exists. Mm-hmm. He has to... They, they very firmly established free will exists. Satan can't make anyone do anything. Yep. Uh... So, in his rage, and for just a split second, you see, like, the little demonic, like, the Satan Mm -hmm. face, you know, underneath. Uh, He basically brings him back to the beginning of the movie, where he then does the right thing, as we said, and recuses himself from the case. But Larry, the reporter, who is, you know, Satan in disguise, convinces him... To, to tell a story and everything, because he's going to make him a big star. Yeah. It's the same. He's going to bring him down the same path. But it's not a closed time loop, because it's not the exact events repeating over and over. It's going to be different. But is it going to get to the point where she kills herself, goes crazy and kills herself again, and he knows? is in that situation again, and he kills himself, and then we're just going to keep recycling? Over I mean, and over? I, I feel like he'll keep, you know, doing this to him until he does what he wants. But is that ever going to happen? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like he was pretty close. I think his sister messed it up. Oh, yeah. By what? saying, I'll, I'll make you forget about yeah. Charlie. In two on. minutes, you'll never think about Marianne so again. So cocks inside me. Like, that was the stupidest. Like, why mention her name right then? Right. His wife just killed herself in front of him. Yeah, no good. So... If she wanted her to get laid, that was not the way to go about it. Right. Gave herself a second smile. <laughs> right across the neck. God. That was fucking brutal. That was that was a hard watch. There was a lot of things about this movie. Oh, I felt so yeah. bad for her character. Like the whole time, like she's just suffering and suffering. What do you think was up with the one time like she was being psychologically tortured the oh, whole time? Yeah, yeah. But she wakes up from this dream and there's a baby in the bathroom playing with 
what she says are her ovaries. They took my ovaries. Yeah. Do you think they really took her ovaries? Yeah. What the fuck? I think they did something to make her not be able to have a baby. Because he, they don't want him to have a baby with her. Right. They want him to have a baby with his sister. So it's the Antichrist. That's so awful. A lot of incest in this fucking movie. What do you mean a lot? Well, What other the, incest was the, there? The one dude wants to have sex with his stepdaughter. Well, that's not incest. So she's not actually related to him. But that's that's m- molestation. <laughs> but it's not incest. Yeah, tell me, tell me how okay it is. <clears throat> it's not incest. It's not. It's disgusting. It's almost it's like incest. Sure. He, they said he was married to his wife for like nine or ten years. Oh, okay. That's pretty gross. Yeah. But it's still technically not. Technically. Okay. Maybe. Is it incest when they're half siblings? Yeah. I would I would say so, wouldn't you? I don't know. So we're, we're, just, we're defining incest as we go here, I guess. <laughs> Honey, incest is two blood relations and... Step is not blood, but half is. I guess. Can still be gross and creepy and icky. It is gross and creepy and icky. <laughs> Greg T. Nelson having sex with anyone's gross. <laughs> right. Except for, I guess, uh, what's her name? The singer. The one from the Donna Reed show. You know. No, because I'm not a grandpa. <sighs> Come on. On coach, his girlfriend. Oh, okay. Shelly yeah, I know who Fabre. she is. Yeah, uh-huh. Shelly Fabre. Okay. You no, know, Johnny Angel. Also. Johnny Angel, how I love him, uh-huh. and how I hope that he loves me. Okay, oh. I know that song. Sing sure. along. No. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's about it, though. Do you have any other things that you want to say about this movie? I thought it was fantastic. I loved the themes. Very, I even, I, the ending was satisfying to me. Yeah. Even though it doesn't technically resolve, I think it's the best ending they could give. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was very happy with it that, you know, not only did he not give in to Satan and he killed himself, but then he started over and got another chance to do the right thing. And we'll see. I mean, yeah, he's probably going to fail, but... <laughs> He's at least trying. I think he should have said no to the story. Yeah. Should just allowed himself to get the sparred. But how much does he know or remember? Like, probably almost nothing. That was other. I was my other question. He seems very happy to see Charlize Theron. Yeah. He kisses her. He's like, oh, I'm good now. Like, like it seems like he kind of remembers that loss. I think he has a vague, like... It's one of those things like when you wake up from a dream. Right. I think it's like fades. It's fading very fast. And I think it faded too fast. Yeah. But he definitely, I mean, like he knew enough. He he knew not to defend this guy. And he knew that, like you said, he was very happy about his wife. Yeah. But he's not going to change his entire personality in this one. No, unfortunately. Thing, so he's half Satan. Yeah. <sighs> But I, I was I was happy with it. I yeah. was satisfied with everything. Very, very, very good movie. All right. Well, you want to tell the people anything? You can write us at elitefee1994.com. Why don't you tell us what you think of my impressions? Are check, they good? Check out our website at www.retroelitefee.com and yeah. uh, share the tapes with your friends. 
Now, share the tapes with your friends. Bye. Bye. <laughs>